Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond. Welcome to Magic City Soccer, a Dade Brigade podcast. This is, of course, your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Uh, we are back. We are back after a victorious game. Our uh, one-week blip uh, is gone, and happy days are here again. I am joined, as always, uh, by Drew Hausman. Drew, how you doing today? What's up, everybody? I'm doing great. Yeah, back to our normal swing uh, podcast after a victory, so I like it. It's a much better attitude. And Omar Mubayad with us as well. Omar, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Cracking up a Guinness, boys. Why? Because that's a nice victory we had last week. Got another three points on the road, and we keep moving on our title chase. That's a victory beer right there. You know, last week it might have been like... Uh, Natty Ice or something, something bad. We're drinking good, the good stuff. It was, now. it was also a Guinness, unfortunately. So I don't know if the oh. beer is telling, but you know what? Hey, that's what was in the fridge. Yeah, you know it works. So uh, we are back. We are back after a Miami FC victory, a thrilling victory. Uh, and I tell you what, just for entertainment value purposes, this uh, fall season has been a real barn burner. A lot of really good, interesting games coming down close to the end. Um, Miami FC travel uh, to the heartland of America. They travel to the Midwest, Oklahoma City, uh, to take on Rio OKC at Miller Stadium and are either tied or losing for the vast majority of the game. However, a wunderpunt, a, a, a marvelous goal by Ariel Martinez in the 90th minute plus four, that's four minutes of extra time, gives Miami FC the victory. Omar, what did you take away from that game? Uh, it took away that it was a very standard Miami FC game, for lack of better words, right? So Miami FC controlled possession throughout the game. Uh, I think a lot of the times I was watching it and I saw the misfire in the final third. Um, and you know what? That's something that in the spring season we saw a lot of, but we haven't really seen that too much here in the fall season. So it was very reminiscent to times of old, but unlike times of old, we were able to squiggle out three points and then uh, go ahead and, you know, have a solid performance and yet put it in the victory column, which is the most important part. Yeah, that was uh, definitely, you know, they're not all going to be pretty, and it's much better to have an ugly win than a pretty loss. And uh, not that it wasn't necessarily ugly per se, but to, to be behind the eight ball for such a long time and wind up digging yourself out of it. I find that pretty impressive. Drew, what'd you see? What'd you take away from, from last weekend's game? Yeah, the the first half was pretty rough to watch. Um, I thought for a little bit we were doomed, but uh, it picked up in the second. I was uh, really happy to see Pablo Campos finally come on and finally come on with more than a couple minutes to play. So I feel like he, he proved himself with that goal, which was kind of the uh, the rally call. And then the icing on the cake was uh, the Ariel Martinez goal. But, um, Drew, I, also, I think you're channeling Sharon Rossi from the uh, the group chat with the, amen. the praise for public compost. I, I like the guy. I like the guy. But um, it was Absolutely. also good to kind of see uh, Dane Richards come back. I wasn't sure if he was on injury or uh, kind of where he went. I suspected at one time he was abducted by the government because we hadn't seen him in months. But um, <laughs> during the game to see him on the bench and then eventually come in, it, it, it was good to see. Yeah, it, it was. That's actually interesting to mention. That's something that kind of jumped out when I looked back at the stat sheet. Uh, the substitutes that were used, uh, you know, mention, mentioning Dane Richards actually seeing the field, uh, that had been a good long while, and, and Pablo Campos 
as you mentioned, uh, ha- had been a source of frustration to some because of his lack of productivity. But at the same time, those who actually support him, and there are many, and there are good reasons to, uh, had kind of bemoaned the fact that he would get five minutes there, ten minutes here, three minutes here, and how could he possibly get in a rhythm to score? Um, anytime anyone can kind of get off the schneid and put a goal in the back of the net, I'm happy with it. I don't care who it is. I don't care what the circumstances are. Uh, you want to see a guy in form. And, and to to really change the momentum of the game, I don't think it's too, too much to say uh, that uh, really, especially after that sluggish first half, bringing on Campos, uh, he came on in, I believe, the 65th minute, 66th minute. Uh, bring him on, and, and, and it did represent kind of a change in in tone and change of intent uh, for the team. And, you know, this is something hopefully that, that he both he and the team can build on. I think what you saw with the substitution for Pablo Campos was a change in formation. The, uh, the 4-4-2 with the diamond in the middle all of a sudden was replaced because he took out Wilson Palacios, who was playing that center, uh, I'm sorry, that center mid, center defensive mid, I should say. So all of a sudden now, if you're replacing the center defensive mid with a striker, uh, now you're realizing exactly what's happening. You're now you're no longer running that, um, you know, diamond four in the middle, but you're probably running a four four three, moving Ariel Hernandez to play the number ten role, and then having Poku, Svitnovich, and Campos up top. So it was definitely interesting to see because it was a substitution that said, "Look, we need a goal. We're going to get back in the game." So it was nice to see Pablo Campos get off the bench and score one. You know. Fun fact, a lot of people don't know, in the modern-day NASL, Pablo Campos is the leading goal scorer of the league. He's been wearing a lot of shirts lately, but he's also been putting in a lot of goals in the back of the net. So it was nice to see him get one in, uh, get one in for us, lack of better words. And it was a sweet goal. You could tell he was pressing circle as he entered the technical area. He was like a FIFA player, just smashing that circle button. He got the slide, put the ball in the back of the net. That's definitely a goal that you want to screen cap, replay, maybe throw on YouTube once or twice. Yeah, he really reminds me of kind of a classic, and I know he's not from this country, but kind of a classic English forward. Like just a big hunk of meat right at the front. And, and yeah, he needs to hunk. kind of be... <laughs> All right. Uh, he, he needs to be... He kind of needs to be put in the right position in order to score. He, he, he His creativity, I don't know how much of it... Is there, but if you get the ball to him in the right place, he's going to smash it at about 150,000 miles an hour, and he he needs to be fed in the right way, and and to finally see him kind of get that that the the right kind of the right kind of communication, the right kind of setup, uh, yeah, I think I mean there's a reason why, like you said, Omar, he is the NASL all-time leading scorer. That's not a fluke. You can't fluke that many goals. He is a solid goal scorer, but. You know, it, it is a nice weapon to have in your back pocket if you're able to say, okay, 65 minutes on, we're not scoring goals. Let's change our approach. Let's see what we can do heading down the stretch. We're already losing. If if we if it works, we can, you know, get a point on the road or, you know, as we wind up seeing, seeing they wind up getting three. Worst case scenario, it doesn't work. And, you, you know, it you were losing and you lost. You know, so I, I, I do appreciate the ability of a manager to acknowledge when something's not working and really just kind of roll the dice and try something new. And I think that, that is what we saw with those substitutes and with that change of approach. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> also, uh, 
another great goal scorer is Ariel Martinez because now that puts him into five goals for league play this year where Dario has six where the majority is off PKs. So uh, both of them are actually on the, the NASL top goal scoring chart now. So it's good to see some uh, some light teal going on on that chart. Yeah, and buddy, I tell you what, if there were style points in those factors in those goals, he would be near the top. That was a we, – we were, you know, kind of talking about it before the podcast, and that was just the degree of difficulty off that, that strike in, in the 94th minute. Um, that was remarkable. And, and, you know, no goal ever goes in without a lot of factors coming in. It's not like he just completely willed it in on his own. However, to be basically backing away from the net – um, whoop, sorry, I actually pulled it up on my computer to watch it again. To be backing away from the net and to put a foot on the ball well enough to just get it on target. You know, you see some players attempt that shot and it winds up either just popping right into the goalie's hands or about 20 rows up. Um, to, to have the kind of finesse to just chip it right over the goalie and have it go in, that was, I mean, that's a way to win a game. That is a real way to win. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I guess uh, one good thing to say is that all of his goals have been of quality. I don't think that there's been one tap-in. I don't think there's been, you know, basically a clean-up goal from Ariel so far this season. All of his goals and all the member and they all seem to be semi-memorable, which is actually quite an astonishment because it's either a left foot outside of the box or it's a dipper that he hits as he's moving away from the target. Uh, I do remember him having a header at some point this season as well. So it's not like he's just, you know, walking in the box and unopposed or their penalties or anything of that nature. He is getting the ball in significant areas and he's finishing putting his foot through the ball, getting in the back of the net. Uh, so I think that's even, like, the key there. You know, again, there, there are different kinds of goals. At the end of the day on the score sheet, all you see is goal and a name and a minute next to it. But Ariel Martinez has put in quality, quality goals. Yeah, I'll, I'll transition this a bit. Uh, we were also talking about kind of the, the depth of the substitutes here, but um, as you guys all know, our next game is against Ottawa on Wednesday, which will actually be uh, tomorrow. So it was good to see the, the depth. You know, uh, the, the substitutes were LaRue, Resende, uh, Evers, Campos, Dennis, and Richards available. But it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, subs we have available or who we're starting in the next game because there are a lot of injuries. And then we have, you know, Ottawa on the road and then come back to Miami to play Minnesota United, who's still a top four team. So um, I'm not I'm not sure who's coming off injury, but I mean, Brad Russin is still out. Uh, Richie Ryan, haven't seen him. I think he's still on his broken foot. LaHood's been out. Uh, Jaime Chavez, so we're kind of we're kind of digging deep when uh, when we need the most available players now. So hopefully some of these guys will be off injury and available. And uh, also at this game we didn't have our our fan favorite Vincenzo Rinella on the bench. <laughs> so uh, I'd really like to see him either come come in as a sub on on this Ottawa game or maybe in the Minnesota game. Yeah, you know, especially I mean. Any week in which you have three games is going to be grueling, but considering it's Oklahoma City, Ottawa, then back to Miami, that's that's pretty rough. They're on the road for a good chunk 
basically just in time to come back to Miami and then play, as you said, a top four team in Minnesota United and a team that will probably be pretty sour and pretty motivated for that Saturday night game. Um, the Ottawa Fury, I find uh, as an interesting team, uh, they are towards the bottom half of the table. Um, and they played here in South Florida on Friday night, scratch that, Saturday night, uh, against the Fort Lauderdale Strikers as they opened up uh, play in their new stadium, uh, the cricket field at Central Broward Park. Um, and Ottawa's never going to win that game. Anytime you, that, that kind of build up, it's going to be hard to win that game. Um, but I, I, I found them pr- pretty intriguing considering they did take the loss. I think that could be a dangerous game for Miami tomorrow night and then playing Minnesota. These are two tough games. With this, We are really in the teeth, uh, the, the, the meat of the schedule um, now. You know, the games are going to be coming very quick and they're going to be very challenging. And as you said, Drew, the, the challenge that comes with dealing with depth or lack thereof is going to be very interesting. That's not really something that Nesta has had to deal with all that much so far. The spring season wasn't that uh, intense in terms of scheduling. That's all going to change now. And again, as you mentioned a second ago, Drew, there are injuries, number uh, number of injuries to key players. How is the team going to adapt? How are we going to see names that maybe we haven't seen before or seen a lot of? How What is Pablo Campos's role going forward? What is Dane Richards' role going forward? Uh, are we going to see Hugo LaRue uh, brought back in some sort of role? And Probably not. Line? Probably not, but he, he did make the substitutes last time. So, uh, you know, it's it's... There are a lot of questions to consider with this team moving in, as we mentioned, to this very difficult part of the schedule. Yeah, we're on the dreaded stretch of uh, three games in seven days. And as Drew mentioned previously, we are suffering a lot of injuries. And it's not guys who are rotation players. These are starters, significant starters that are constantly that are currently hurt uh, and guys are having to step up and fill in for. And the key part is that they're stepping up and they're filling in exactly as they're supposed to. So, you know, while you sit there and say, yeah, we don't have a Jaime Chavez, well, guess what? If we keep getting goals from Pablo Campos or if we keep getting goals from Aaron Dennis, okay, Jaime Chavez, take your time. You don't need to come back. If we can get that creativity from the left side of the field from Blake Smith, then guess what? Hey, LaHood, take your time and come back. It's fine. We want to make sure you come back 100%. You don't have to rush these guys back. And I think that's key. It's going to be key going on for the rest of the year. You don't want to bring these guys back too early, but at the same time, you need to realize that the only way Miami FC makes the playoffs is with a spring season title or with possibly coming in second to the fall season title holders. So that's really the key where we need to be at. We need to make sure that we keep ourselves in the race as much as possible and make sure that you know we keep uh, trucking through these injuries that we're having and you know don't slip off the pace like we did last week. I think it is worth mentioning, Omar, since you did bring up the fall season. Um, Miami FC is currently fifth. They are top five in the league uh, in the top half, which is good. Um, they have two games in hand uh, on the uh, the top of the table, FC Edmonton, and one game in hand on the rest of the, the table, two, three, and four, um, two being the Cosmos, three being in the 11, and four being Minnesota United. Uh, so they are still pretty well positioned. You you wanna? It'd be great if you can come out of this week with nine points in in seven days. That would be ideal. Um, but yeah, it's going to be very uh, interesting. It's always very interesting with this team. Uh, you know, you think you have things understood, and then all of a sudden Dane Richards comes on the field, and you're like, wait a minute, that's kind of an unexpected development. Um, so let let's talk about these games uh, that are coming up. Uh, let's talk about. Uh, first off, the game with the Ottawa Fury. I touched on them briefly, um, but 
uh, it, it's another road game. It, it's a it's an out of country game. Uh, it is in Ottawa, up in Canada. Um, so yeah, what do you guys think about that? What, what are you looking for in this game? Again, it's going to be very difficult because of the nature of the second, basically second game in four days. Uh, let's start with Omar. What do you think about this game? Um, actually, I'm going to go ahead and let Drew take it first. I do want to bring up very quickly regarding the table. While Miami sits fifth in the table, it's important to note that, again, every team with the exception of Indy 11 collected points in front of us last week. So, again, that becomes a problem. That's where the loss of the strikers last Saturday in that shit show of a rainout, uh, or what should have been a rainout, is gonna might come back to haunt us a little bit. Uh, you know, we are Edmonton's on a roll. And, again, I don't want to get sidetracked. I want to end on, I'm going on a tangent, but... FC Edmonton is taking care of business. I don't know what they're putting on in the water over there in Alberta, but they're a scary team right now. They're a very scary team. I'm not sure exactly how they play because, as you can imagine, trying to get FC Edmonton games in South Florida, it's a hard thing to do, but the results are showing. So now that I went off on my little tangent, Drew, what do you think about Ottawa Fury? (laughs) Um, The Fury game will be interesting. I know... Uh, I think at the beginning of the year we we lost to them two nothing on the road and that was one of those early key games where I really thought we were gonna pick up. I think at that point we hadn't had our first victory yet and I thought that was gonna be the deal. But obviously we have a much different team now. Um, Ottawa seems to be struggling still. They do have the advantage of being at home, but I think it's once again gonna come down to. Uh, roster depth and who we have available because uh, you know I, I feel like we're going to get the, the shorter end of the team for this game and we're really going to have to maybe save players for the Minnesota game which can be a can be an issue for this yeah I will to kind of piggyback on something you mentioned briefly but I do want to go into a little more uh, of depth uh, Ottawa causes me to have a little bit of like a tick whenever they get mentioned uh, because as you mentioned Drew Ottawa was the game that really kind of startled me into thinking, oh no, this spring season is going to be bad. Um, and it's it's hard to, like, you look at some of the results and you're like, well, they didn't win in the previous four games to that game. What made you, thought it was going to be, what made you think it was going to be good? Uh, what, what I thought, what I took away, the draw against Fort Lauderdale to open our spring season, it's a draw on the road. That's fine. A draw against the Rowdies. The Rowdies were a very well-established team. Uh, you know, a, a draw is fine with them, even though it's at home. You wanted the win, but you understand it. Loss at Jacksonville, in-state rivalry 2-1. Uh, the loss to Rio OKC, that was a shocker. And then losing 2-0 on the road at TD, Pace, uh, TD Place against the Ottawa Fury and really getting handled. It should have been more than two. That game really stuck out as a turning point for the spring season where everything just went south. After that, you had the Cosmos game. You had the Railhouse game that was a nil-nil draw, and it was ugly as all heck. We'll beat Edmonton, question Yay! Not. Yay! You know, <laughs> the, the table toppers. And then you have the, the, the open cup loss and then the ugly draw against Indy 11. Um, I think of the Fury as a real turning point for the spring season, and I hope I can look back at this game tomorrow as a turning point for the fall season, but as a good turning point, as the game that we can look back and say, okay, they, they went on the road and got six points from six, built momentum, and it led them to a fall season title. Maybe I'm being overly optimistic but considering i do have that negative association with ottawa i would like a positive association with ottawa uh Omar, well, you, what do you think i don't think you'd look at as much of a turning point as much as a state steady the course 
right? You want to steady the course uh, point for this game because the team has played well. The team has played very well, only not gotten points in two of the games so far this season. Uh, this is one of those games that were, again, it's not a trap game like it was the Strikers, and as much as I like to live by the philosophy of road draws, home wins, get the three points. you got to get the three points against Ottawa, and let me explain why. Uh, we're going to go ahead and play Minnesota United next week, and not to get too, uh, not too far ahead of ourselves, but Puerto Rico FC in Puerto Rico is coming up in two weeks. Puerto Rico FC is not a well-established team. They are not a team that's gelling together at the moment. So if you can get the three points at Ottawa, and you know Minnesota's coming in with the idea of revenge, and they might play a little ahead of themselves or a little out of themselves, okay, maybe we're looking at a, a nice little stretch of runs here where we can win four and four. So, but again, you got to take care of business. You got to take care of business in Ottawa, uh, first and foremost. I am worried about what the 18 is going to look like. I'm hoping to have some guys come back from the injury list. I am not very optimistic that's going to be the case. But you never know, right? You never know. Uh, Ottawa Fury is just coming back from a South Florida trip as well. Again, as we mentioned earlier, they did play the Strikers last weekend. So, Maybe they've picked up a knock or two, and it's going to even out the playing field. Not 100% sure. But I think three points are crucial for Miami FC. I think it's important to have your best 11 out there. Do not throw out an experimental 11. Do not have some of the guys who haven't played significant minutes in this game. you got to keep the boat going straight. you got to keep the boat going steady. Make sure to pick up an extra three points tomorrow night. Yeah, I was going to say... Uh... The fall season, you know, it's really kind of one of the situations where we have to really win it to get into the playoffs. We are two games back from most other teams, but if you look at the combined table, uh, even <laughs> I'm not I'm not enjoying looking at it. But if you look at it, so we're at 18 games played and 21 points. So if we do beat Minnesota and Ottawa, that'll put us at. Uh, 27 points which still will not secure us a playoff spot we would be one point ahead of the strikers in fifth place so it's not only these two games but going forward in the in the combined standings unless if somehow uh yeah no that's about it but that's the thing, though. <laughs> if, if you look if you look at the, the top four in the combined standings we have S fc edmonton who's on a roll new york cosmos which you know what you're going to get week in week out in the 11, who have proven to be a solid team every season, and Minnesota United, which, you know, they have their days, but they're an awfully decent team. So Miami FC, if we can get on a roll, even on the combined standings, you got to assume possibly they're going to come in fifth. And that's with, you know, that's us discounting Carolina and discounting Tampa Bay and us discounting Rio with the problems they're having in Oklahoma City. So it's not a foregone conclusion that you're going to get in through the combined standings because, remember, your spring season champion, who was actually the Indy 11, and your fall season champion, who currently at the moment is going to be Edmonton or Cosmos, we can assume, let's just say we extrapolate the data, well, then that leaves the other two teams, Minnesota United and uh, the New York Cosmos, you know, to pick up your next two spots in the playoffs. So Miami FC does need to make a solid push and make sure that they come in either first or second in the fall season to have a significant shot in making the playoffs in the NASL. Yeah, I, I I think I think looking at at the, the 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 fall season table and the combined season table, it it seems silly to say oh well it's it's a better proposition to target top four in one table or versus actually winning the thing in the other. 
But I, I think ultimately Miami FC has to just focus on the fall season table. There's just a lot of deadwood ahead of, in front of in, in, ahead of them, and all those teams can't lose all at the same time because they're going to be playing each other occasionally. With with looking at the fall season table, you have four teams in front of you, and they are the top four teams in the combined table, and then it's you. So you're going to get your cracks at them, and you got to try to pick up points. They did that against Indy Eleven. They did that against Minnesota United. Uh, the Cosmos are still the Cosmos, and we haven't seen Edmonton yet in this season. But ultimately, you just got to take it, and, and I'm going to be the most cliche of cliches, but you just got to take it one game at a time and figure out what points you can pick up, what opportunities you can make. You're not going to win every game, but what are the games that have a little extra value, have a little extra uh, incentive in terms of your positioning on the table? Um, so we have Ryo. Um, so we don't have Ryo. We have... <laughs> Been Whoops. there, beat them. Yeah. Yep, we we have Ottawa. I I will say because I rarely bring like ooh interesting backstory or whatever to the podcast. I was able to meet uh, Ottawa's goalkeeper uh, coach. Uh, I was very excited to because and I'm sure we'll talk about it in a second. Uh, but he is former Liverpool goalkeeper Bruce Grabelar, uh, and uh, he was a very nice guy. Very good time for a lot of Liverpool fans here in South Florida. It was actually the night before the Strikers game. Uh, I told what, him. What strip club was he at? <laughs> hey! He was, at, he was at the lovely Fox and Hounds in Oakland Park. Doesn't um, sound like a nice will, strip club. <laughs> I will say, yeah, it was, it was, it's, it's, it's very strange for a strip club. No nudity. Um, but beyond that, it's pretty Bunch strange. of dudes. Yeah. <laughs> in soccer jerseys. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. In fact, at least if they were Arsenal shirts. soccer jerseys, we could talk about exposed nipples through the shirt, though. So... <laughs> so <laughs> So I I will say I told him uh, I was a Miami FC fan and I was rooting for him on uh, on uh, Saturday uh, and he said oh you're a Miami C fan go fuck yourself because he was very in terms of the the rivalry and we had a laugh because he you know he was obviously joking around but he told some really interesting stories about the old NASL days because he played for Vancouver uh, before leaving to England and uh, some interesting stories about George Best and playing at Lockhart. The former venue, he, he had a couple of comments about playing in a cricket match uh, that uh, Ottawa were going to wear whites so they could fit in with the cricket crowd. Um, <laughs> it, it was it was pretty good stuff. Um, so, Ryo, uh, God, I have Ryo OKC on my head because we already beat them. We have Ottawa, and then we have Minnesota. Let's talk about Minnesota briefly. You know, that is, we are literally looking ahead, which I just cautioned us to not do. But let's look ahead to Minnesota. Obviously, that last time we played, there was a, there was a little bit of a... a tension a little bit of rivalry rivalry which was exciting what are you guys looking for from that game i think minnesota united is going to come out and try to send a message early i think if you are part of that club or you're a supporter of minnesota united you want to stick it to miami fc for showing you up at home four to zero and stick it to johnny Steele for being able to put the first ball in the back of the net and responding the way he did. Again, as we talked about two weeks ago when that game did happen, my Johnny Steele was provoked. Let's not joke around and pretend that he just took the first bullet and fired it. Uh, definitely some shells were lobbed his way first. So I think it's going to be important to hunker down the first 15 minutes. Make sure that you are controlling the game and you are playing the game that you want to play at the tempo, at the pace, what have you. But do not let Minnesota United control the game. If you can control the first 15 minutes, I think those are going to be the keys. You can make sure that you can walk out of there with a home three points. Send Minnesota United pack into MLS. Have a nice day, boys. <laughs> yeah, one of the things um, I'm kind of worried about with Minnesota is uh, Christian Ramirez. 
the legendary CR21. It seemed like in the in the game we played against him last, he got a little banged up in the beginning and maybe, uh, you know, wasn't that into it. And I think he ended up coming off. But uh, if if the defense can control him and not let him pull his little magician tricks, we, we should have a good game. But at the same time, I, I think he's going to be motivated from the last game. Um, the other thing, too, is I, I don't know how big this, this whole MLS distraction is with them because, obviously, they're, they started targeting you know MLS. They've been accepted. Uh, they're changing their name. They're you know, really pushing the season tickets for MLS now. So uh, I don't know if that's going to motivate some of the players or maybe distract them. But um, the last game, you know, they beat the Rowdies but then lost to, to Edmonton the game before that. So... I think we stand a fair chance. I think we should bring some jelly to the game and perhaps, you know, offer the, the keeper some sandwiches prior to the match. <laughs> uh, if, if we can all actually, I'm, I'm calling Dade Brigade out right now. If we do not go into the game each with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you do not sit in our section. <laughs> That's uh, pretty funny. I, I, I will give Minnesota credit for that. I thought that was a pretty funny... Uh... Uh, pretty funny way to play off a really embarrassing situation. Although it does, it is one of those things where uh, you know Pedro Martinez admits that uh, the Yankees are his daddy, and all he gets for the rest of his career is he getting dragged by Yankees fans and chanting, "Who's your daddy?" Uh, but then, the, literally, the next game we beat them four nothing after the blame it on the jelly. So <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah, and so it didn't it didn't really have the effect of galvanizing uh, the team. Uh, although it did give a, an online laugh that's worth something. Nothing on the table, but something in our hearts. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, I would be very leery if I were Miami FC of that of that Minnesota United game. Because, yeah, I do think that they're going to want to go out for blood. And, and, and Omar had mentioned, you know, maybe they overplay their hand. Maybe their, you know, intensity is good, but sometimes being able to regulate that intensity is good too. And if you're a little bit too overcommitted, it might lead you to make some mistakes in the pursuit of being intense. And on top of it, I'm running everywhere and doing everything. And oops, there's actually someone running behind me, and I've given up a goal. Uh, sometimes that having control of your your passion is really almost as valuable as having the passion itself. So uh, we've got two games in four days. Uh, it'll be a busy week it has been a busy week and it will continue to be a busy week for the old day brigade uh let's talk about the uh the watch party at fritz and franz last weekend uh it was a good time especially a good time when it's capped off by such a memorable goal uh drew what was the scene like at uh old fritz and franz uh <clears throat> it was pretty good we had we had a decent turnout uh that night there was also the the mcgregor fight so it kind of hurt our attendance a little but uh the faithful were out there in numbers. We turned the place up again. Um, that's why I said in the in the beginning of the podcast that you know the first half was uh, pretty upsetting. You know to go down one nothing and it seemed like uh, pretty pretty bad times for us. But uh, kind of picked up spirits and you know it was amazing that that equalizer by Campos and then when Ariel Martinez scored the goal, the whole fucking place went nuts and. Uh, Free shots, boots, everything were flying. Uh, it was it was a it was a great time. But did beer yeah. go flying? Uh, maybe. Ah, <laughs> oh, we gotta work on that. Ah, oh, no, man. There's 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 too much uh, beautiful stuff on the beer house walls. Yeah, that place is like a soccer museum, man. The 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 different stuff on the walls is really tremendous. Yeah, I would cry if anything happened to any of those jerseys, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure we'd all be in jail. 
Yeah. Oof. Most definitely. <laughs> We've walked that line before. We will walk it again. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's always a fun time. You know, I've speaking of watch parties, uh, that and speaking of Ottawa, uh, that Ottawa watch party at Fritz and Franz when we lost two nil, that was not fun. And it's 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 really hard. Just like as a fan in the stands, you really need a goal for your team to get you going. The start of the game gets you going, and then kind of usually around minute 20 or 30, it gets a little harder. And then you get to halftime, you get to kind of the halftime bump. But if there's no scoring, or if you've been scored on and haven't answered, it's really hard to kind of muster the, the energy. You know, we're not even playing the game. We're just watching it. But to, to muster the, the noise and the, and the energy necessary, even at a watch party for a road game, it can be difficult. So, so I can imagine going through that first half uh, kind of a real slow game without any any scoring on the part of Miami FC. I think it, it could be rough. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that uh, you know the things really turned around uh, in the second half. Uh, so Fritz and Franz set last Saturday. It'll be Fritz and Franz tomorrow, Drew. Or yes, yep. It'll be Fritz, Fritz and Franz, Franz tomorrow. Tomorrow at 7 p.m. If you don't know where Fritz and Franz is located, it is located conveniently just north of the corner of. 37th Avenue and Coral Way. It is in the heart of Coral Gables, one block behind Miracle Mile. Yeah, That's if, right. if, if you don't know where Fritz and Franz is, get yourself some Google Maps in your life. I think that'll really help out. Um, but that is a actually really good description of a place that I sometimes have a hard time describing where it is. Um, get out there. If you're listening and you haven't been, go. It's a really great spot to watch soccer. The German food is fantastic. Uh, there are some obviously non-German options too. The beer is great. Get yourself a Das Boot. Um, we score, we get a boot, right? Just to yep. to divvy right. up. Yeah, that's so correct. No, it's it's, it's uh, a free free shot for per goal. If we draw the game, the group splits a boot. If we win the game, we get two boots to divvy up amongst the day brigade. It's a good time. Come out and join us. Um, yeah. I'm so, actually I'm working on a mathematical formula to what you're speaking of before was. Uh, amount of beer drank to amount of away goals scored to amount of home goals scored to achieve maximum soccer happiness. <laughs> I'm, I'm tinkering it out this season, but I think we're going to have to fire up the old day brigade supercomputer and, and yeah, yeah. some numbers. We'll, we'll we'll get back to that uh, next week, maybe. And keep in uh, mind, if you do want to join Day Brigade again, as we mentioned last week, website is daybrigade.com. On our website, if you click the shop link at the top. You do have access to memberships, which give you discounts to many different places around South Florida. You can have the official Day Brigade Supporters Group shirt, scarves. If you are a lady, we have lady headbands for you as well. So keep in mind, all of these things can be purchased at daybrigade.com. If you want to show up in person and get your hands on some gear, more than likely there will be some available tomorrow. Or maybe if you're listening on Wednesday, August 24th, there will be some tonight. At 7 p.m., the party gets started at Okay, really quick, we now have to play the official theme song of Omar. Uh, all right, so we've talked about the game that happened. We've talked about the game to come. We talked about our always important watch party. Do we have anything else to cover? I think we're about ready to wrap it up. No, we are not. Why? Because we're going across the pond for five good minutes. Ah, I made a huge mistake starting this. I take responsibility. I think I um, need to feed my cats. Yeah, go. Let's go take a walk, Drew. I'll, I'll I'll hold down the fort. Go ahead. Go ahead, Omar. All right. So, 
in the beautiful country that we do call England and their beautiful game of football. We have the Friday game of Manchester United, my Manchester United, with a brace from none other than Zlatan Ibrahimovic with his contractually obligated goal. He got two. Manchester United 2, Southampton 0. Alright, so that's your Premier League wrap-up. Whoa, yes. whoa, what, what, what about you guys? I don't understand. Okay, I'll go. Uh, we Arsenal drew the Leicester City Foxes, who were the champions of last year's Premier League. It was a fun game. Theo Walcott is an amazing player, and I'm really happy we loaned out Joel Campbell. <laughs> Liverpool lost. But one today, actually, in the League Cup. So I'm, I'm going off on a positive. We're advancing on the League Cup. We didn't embarrass ourselves. Everything's great. So do, so, we, do we just start throwing money at Hull City? What are their odds right now? Are they 5,000 to 1, too? Like, should we just start making a day brigade pool together <laughs> and just throw in the money? Because, listen, man, I'll settle for a second-place Manchester United finish if we can walk out of there with 5,000 to 1. I'm just saying. You will never be able to bet 5,000 to 1 on a Premier League team again. I promise you that right now. There's no way. The highest odds have to be 250 to 1, I would say. And I mean, n- sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but to go, go ahead, ahead, like, United plays whole city this weekend. So if we can get that 5,000 to 1 book, yet, you best believe I'll go call Shot Con right now and go grab me a whole city jersey. Actually, he's the owner of Fulham. Shit. Whoops. Let's edit that. Let's, let's rewind that. Let's pretend that didn't happen. Ooh. Either way, they're both crappy, terrible Typical owners. Manchester fan. They're terrible, <laughs> crappy owners. I don't know why I thought he owned Full City. Uh, you know what it is? It's that freaking logo that just looks just like the Jacksonville Jaguars patch on the side of their face. The whole City Tigers. <laughs> looks pretty similar. Okay, so I'm actually looking at the Premier League odds right now on on Skybet. Oh, I'm, I'm mistaken. There's not a 5,000 to 1. But there are eight teams that are one thousand to one, and Hall is not one of them. Hall is seven fifty to one. There's no value there. Seven fifty. Well, it's because it, it's because they already got two down. Well, that's yeah. probably why. I wonder where these based off the beginning of the year. Two out of thirty six. They're 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 rip roaring ready to go. The Tigers are ready to fight. But yeah, Burnley, Watford, Swansea, Bournemouth, Sunderland, West Brom, Crystal Palace, and Stoke are all thousand to one. Hall in Middlesbrough is seven to fifty, and then you get kind of higher odds towards the top. Middlesbrough, that that's that's definitely a team to watch this season. I have a feeling they're going to stay up. Yeah, I do. I really do. I think they're going to stay up. I think uh, finally Brad Gazan has defenders of somewhat quality in front of him. Uh, I think that's a team that is going to be boosted at the back line with having him back there. I think that they are going to stay up. I think they're going to be in a relegation battle. I think they're going to squeak it out, but. Quick note from our USA boys. DeAndre Yedlin signed today an official move, leaving the Tottenham Hotspur's contractual obligations and moving over to championship side Newcastle United. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, I remember there being so much hype about Yedlin going to uh, Tottenham, and, and I'm glad he's staying in Europe, uh, although... I do wonder if this is a sign that they see something we don't. You know, anytime there's a transfer, you overanalyze it and you wind up tying your head in a knot. But, um, yeah, I think that'll be interesting. I, I do appreciate the, the younger generation of Americans really trying to make their way in Europe instead of just kind of crawling back over the ocean and playing in MLS. Not that MLS, I'm not putting down MLS or NASL. Um, but, you know, I, I, anyone who's saying that, you know, 
the top leagues can't be found in Europe is deluding themselves. So I, I think I think it's interesting for the development of American soccer. I hope he plays well there. I hope uh, Newcastle want, find a way to get promoted and he winds up back in the Premier League and, and get some playing time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, As somebody who was a Sounders fan uh, prior to Orlando City coming in the league, I just that's just a pure geographical reference because Miami hasn't had an MLS or top flight team in the last 20 years. Um, it's one of those scenarios where when he moved to Tottenham, my first thought was, wait, Kyle Walker's the right back. What? Why does Tottenham want Yedlin so much? And then they sent him on loan. First he went to uh, Southampton, couldn't get playing time. Then he moved over to Sunderland, got some playing time. Proved to be a pretty decent right back under Sam Allardyce. He definitely showed his potential. I think he came back to the U.S. national team with stronger right back more than ever. So let's hope Rafa Benitez over in Newcastle can definitely make him take his next step in his career hopefully be a contributing factor to why Newcastle United comes back to the top flight next season. I just want to say I like Burnley because they have a Bumblebee mascot. Who? Burnley. <laughs> Burnley has a Bumblebee mascot? I was not aware of this. Uh, look up the Burnley mascot. I uh, I have to admit I am partial to Leicester. Um, I love Philbert Fox. Uh, I... I uh, he's fantastic and adorable. Uh, my wife is also a huge fan of Philbert Fox. Um, yeah, he's my favorite. Are uh, are the mighty red for Liverpool? Eh, whatever. Uh, it, it it it's it's not great. Uh, but yeah, Philbert Fox is fantastic. And quick note on Leicester City: it's amazing how much they're looking like that terrible follow-up album to their initial smash hit success. Uh, I don't want to quote another popular podcast and call him the, the Baja Boys. Uh, is it the Baja Boys? What are they called? The Bahia Boys? What is it? Baja Men. The Baja Men. Come the Baja on. Men. I'm Come so sorry. On. But no. So it's Come on. <laughs> they turned 13 and yes. went through their bar mitzvah. They are officially Baja Men. They're Baja Men. But absolutely. Uh, this is a lot like Ja Rule's second <gasps> CD. Ja Rule's second CD was trash. Oh, the Burnley mascot? Oh, my goodness. He's fantastic. You guys have never seen the Burnley Bumblebee? No. You guys suck. <laughs> That's fantastic. Hands down, best best mascot in soccer. That's awful. No. I, I'm looking at it now, too. That's horrendous. He has a bumblebee head. He went to jail. No. He went to jail. He went to jail? He's fantastic. Google his jail time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Philbert, oh, Philbert Fox is the undisputed champion. I'm sorry. He's, like, great. Like, you <laughs> can't can't say no to him. He's fantastic, and he's a champion. Couldn't couldn't Burnley find the guy who's more fit to play the mascot, so he looks like he could actually be on the pitch? All the photos I show is definitely what looks like a middle aged old fat white guy who's had one too many Guinness pints. It's a bumblebee. Hell, yeah, who the hell wants a fit bumblebee, Omar? Yeah. I, listen, if I had kids, I wouldn't want my kids taking a photo with this weird looking. Thing that you want to call a bumblebee it's like you with a bumblebee hat on whoa <laughs> I think so, I, you know what I think <laughs> if we're gonna go that way i think southampton has the best mascot in the league they have a dog winner winner chicken dinner no let's end this <laughs> no wait a minute because i think i just saw a picture of burley's mascot get escorted off the field oh, he went to jail he went to jail okay he went Burley... to fake jail Burnley is is moving up with a bullet on the the mascot power rankings. Oh man, it's funny. The better the team, the worse the mascot. I think, like, 
removing Leicester City. Gunnersaurus like, Rex is pretty dope too, though, guys. Come on, I, I think he's, he's, just, he's the he's best of like the the bigger clubs. Mighty Red, not great. Red Devil, not, not great. horrible. Um, does Chelsea even have one? Is it just like a pile of plastic flags? <laughs> it was old Jose Mourinho photo cutouts, but now he's protected. <laughs> okay, we've officially lost the plot. We are now just prattling on about team <laughs> I feel like this is what most podcasts do, though. Yes. No, okay. I, I really got to do some more mascot research. Oh, my God. There's a horrific one. Oh, okay. All right. Are we still I'm on the Bumblebee? Gather... You see? I told you. No, it's not the Bumblebee. It's it's a mascot, Patrick Thistle. He's like a son, but like the ugliest. Oh, my God. Kingsley, he's the mascot of a club called Kingsley. Um, I think it's that's a Scottish team. Holy moly! Okay, I I, I will show you guys. So we're we're just boring our audience. We don't we're have an audience. Have, Stop lying. We have officially chased nah, them away. It's a, they're in the Scottish Premiership. They don't count. Yeah, but oh my god, have you seen them? Yeah, have it looks s- like a Teletubby, like son. Tel- yeah, that's yeah, creepy. A Teletubby son got in a fight and lost like big time. And then ro- ran over with a steamroller. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen this. Okay. I've oh, and it was actually one. on the front of their jerseys too. This oh is, my god. This okay. Almost. Okay. Well, we will tweet. We will tweet the yes, mascot the photo. photos from our Magic City Soccer Twitter this feed. This we'll do. Yes. We'll pull up and a poll, and we'll put three or four we photos, and we'll Here let we you go. pick the worst. And then next week when we come back, we will reveal the worst soccer mascot that we have found. Okay, but uh, I I think the higher league you are, the the more points you get. Oh, you want to adjust for like degree of difficulty here? Yeah, dude. Because like, okay, strikers <laughs> the strikers have hot shot, and he's pretty dumb. And then for at one point in time, here's why we're Magic City. We're going down to Division Four. At one point in time, Miami United had Bazooka the Parrot. <laughs> it was just a parrot with a soccer jersey that said Bazooka. It had nothing to do with anything. <laughs> well, what about it was? It was pretty awesomely terrible, but. Sonic the Hedgehog being in a NASL Division Two team wins. Yeah, but what yeah, about but... Westham's uh, West? Sorry, not Westham's West Ham's uh, mascot. Well, although he's a hammer, he's a hammer named Bubbles. Yeah, I was gonna say, is he just like a giant bubble one? Actually, the like... hammer's named Hammerhead, but there is a bear also, and the bear's name is Bubbles. Okay, I'm gonna say right now, two mascot, and I'm actually gonna bite my own tongue because I'm a fan of the University of Miami, and we have two mascots. But if you're one team that plays one sport and you have two mascots, fix it. What are you doing? Fix I'm it. fine with a, a a a father and a son or like a, a a a wife and husband if they're of the same type. That's fine. But if oh well, we have a dog and then we also have like uh you know this weird amorphic thing that looks like the Philly fanatic. Pick one. It's confusing. You can't have two mascots. Oh shit! This hammer is pretty bad too, though. All right, all right, we gotta end this and start. We gotta start working on this poll. Okay, so we're be sure to check out at Magic City Soccer so you can vote on the best and worst of soccer mascots. I will pull try to pull a, a pretty good uh, collection of them. There will be two different ones, best and worst. Please vote. Uh, also, please, please, please do a Google search because you'll see them anyway. But still, do a Google search for Patrick Thistle, uh, which is this, this maybe the worst mascot ever. I'm not. I don't mean to tip the poll, 
But I'm putting it out there. As soon as I put the poll up, I'm voting. And I'm voting for that one because it is horrific. Okay, let's wrap it up because, again, so we've talked about This down. whole poll is just going to have three votes in it. <laughs> yeah, and, and they will all be from me from accounts that I open up to make sure that Patrick Thistle wins as the worst mascot because he will haunt my dreams from now on. Uh, okay, anything else to add? Non-mascot related, non-Premier League related, anything Miami FC? Going once, going twice? No, I just wrapped this shit up. Okay. Uh, Omar Mubayad, thank you for joining us, pal. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Let's get six points by the time we come back on the air on Tuesday and another Manchester United win. Eh, forget about that part. Uh, but if we win both games, you need to have two beers next week. I will have two beers. Okay, good. And they will uh, not be Guinnesses. Go ahead. Okay, good. Mix it up. I like it. Drew Hausman, thanks for joining us, pal. Thank you, and I just want to say Vincenzo Rinella. <laughs> So it's uh, be sure to follow us at Magic City Soccer. You can find our Twitter accounts there. If you just look up uh, the follows, uh, you'll find us there. Omar Rubayad, Drew Hausman, I am Matthew Punch. Thank you for listening to Magic City Soccer. Be sure to join us next week. We'll have a lot to talk about. And until then, go Miami FC and go Miami Soccer. Say something weird after it's over. <laughs>